frightening. You know, some of you say, oh, I know Brother Tony, but you really don't. Or I know Steve, but you really don't. You know, and I don't think I have to explain that statement, but uh, God's way of peace and that's the only lasting peace. And it starts when you're saved. There's, uh, I'm like any normal human being that uh, enjoys life, got a reason to live. I want to live until God is finished with me. And then when that ends. But God knows us. He knows what we are. He knows what he meant us to be. And he sees the vast difference between these two things. Think about that statement. Had three children. Dora and I talked many times what we want them to be. It wasn't president or lawyer or doctor or any of those things. We wanted them to be children of God that would fall in love with the Lord and be everything that God can make them. That was our plans for their future. But God tells us in the book of Romans, chapter 3 and verse 10, very familiar scripture, but we uh, believe that God would have us look at that in the third chapter of Romans, chapter 3 and verse 10, God says this, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Verse 11 says, there is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. None. Then the twelfth verse said, they are all gone out of their way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that do a good, no, not one. That's a pretty grim look at his children. But what it's telling us, Brother Steve, is that we have the ability through God to exalt as high as we want to be in the world of the Lord. But we're also capable of going down the other way as deep as we possibly can. God declares a man to be a lost one, a stray one, a rebel, a hater of God. Man is not a sinner occasionally. Now, I use the term. I've used the term from the pulpit, but I said, you know, I used to do this. I used to do that, but I was lost. But the thing that's hard for some Christians to believe, we're still capable of doing those things that we used to do, and so many people do not understand that. But we've got to understand the nature of God. We've got to understand exactly what we are, that we, even though we're saved, we're just sinners saved by the grace of God 
and when God saved us, we didn't cease to be a sinner. If we did, we would never sin, right? Or am I looking that wrong? I can commit any sin right now, this day, this night, as I did when I was lost. And that's important for us to see because when we look at somebody and we say, oh, I would never do that, only by the grace of God you would never do that. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, very familiar scripture here, but when we look at it, God says, And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, we weren't physically dead, but we were spiritually dead. You know, and I hear people all the time, I talk to a lady Tuesday, and her Words was, Brother Vance, I listen to you. You come over to my house every once in a while and when my husband is home and we talk. And I tell you what, I think I will decide to be saved. And all I did was drop my head and say, didn't you hear anything I said? A dead man can't decide. And God said, and you, you, me, you, everybody say, he has decided. He hath, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past he walked according to the council, of the course, excuse me, of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in disobedient children, or children of disobedience. Now, when the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of the soul, it sees this. Conviction of sin is just a sinner seeing himself as he is. Christ convicted me of sin. Everybody else knew what I was doing. I knew what I was doing, but I had a different view of it. But what God seen, what God seen when he granted me conviction, the conviction of sin is just the sinner seeing himself as God does. So that Tuesday morning on the way to work, when God revealed himself to me, the first time I seen myself as a sinner dying and deserving hell. Oh, I've talked to people that are drunk, high on drugs. Oh, no, I'm a sinner. I may be the worst sinner in this town. They have no idea to what they're saying. That's all fleshly. What he's trying to say, hey, you don't have to come here telling me I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. But he didn't. Deep down, a sinner thinks he chose a way of life. But, the way that God has seen him all along, that every fond ideal of self-goodness vanishes away. It was for the first time I had been going to church with the family just to make them happy. 
And I found myself going when they didn't ask me to. They knew at the time that God was working on me. You may go the first time, the second time, because somebody encourages you to go, and you should do that. But if you keep going, somebody else is encouraging you. And the devil will work twice as hard. When you say, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution, I'm going to be in church every time it's possible. And your Sunday mornings will be worse than you've ever seen because God don't want you to see. But you can only have that peace that passes all understanding when you're in the center of God's will, not a part-time Christian. When the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of the soul, it sees the judgment. Doing, filling, striving, praying, giving, abstaining, and the like are found to be no relief from the sense of guilt and therefore no resting place. I've had people tell me that. They came here, visit a few times. When I they missed a few Sundays, I'd go visit them to see what the problem was. So, do we miss you? Is there something happened that maybe the pastor doesn't know about that I can take care of or try to help with? No, no. We just thought that coming to church and putting in our tithe and, you know, and being friendly and, you know, all the things. See, they were uh, immediately think that everything they had been doing wrong, the desire would leave. But there's times, and a lot of Christians, most Christians won't admit it, but there's times when that Christian looks back on his past, and in that past there were some good times. They weren't right. But the flesh is still as bad as it was before God saved him. That's hard for us to see. It's hard for lost people to see. But I'm capable of doing everything I did when I was lost right now. That's why it's so important that I stay in the center of God's will and when I see myself slipping... My answer to begin with are two things I do. I pray and ask God to strengthen me, and I read after the one that can do it. Reading the Bible every day, starting your day with prayer, thinking of God that you sit down to a, a bologna sandwich, peanut butter and jelly, I don't care what it is, God provided it for you. Amen. Why didn't you thank him for it? It's the little things. You know, if you're saved, you know, you're not going out here and commit fornication and adultery and stealing and lying, although you can. David did. When you want to think, can my friend really do that and be saved? 
always think about David. Yes, you can. But the way of peace, this is what we really want to see. The question is, how can I make, how can I be made fit to come before the Lord? Cannot be answered with an appeal to personal character or goodness or life or prayer or performance or religion. The sinner's peace with God does not come from within. The sinner's peace with God does not come from within. No, no grounds of peace to be extracted from himself. He, one qualification for peace is that he needs is what? Well, the sinner's peace can only come from God. What happened in most cases? I don't know how many marriages I have counseled in the 50 years. And they, most of them in some way or another. I'm going to start the little things. I remember when me and my wife got married, I would kiss her every morning. When I came in from work, I would hug her and told her that I loved her. We shared time together. We did this together. That doesn't happen anymore. And you wonder why something is wrong? Let's set that aside. Do you think God put a good night's sleep anytime? Do you think God that you still can walk because there's people your age, most of them can't walk? Every time I see my brother Tom, you know, he's, he said, I don't understand it, you know. Me and you are about the same age, and you keep going like a little battery red or rich or whatever he is. <laughs> you know, I said, well, I can, I can take more pain than you, Tom, Uh, God blesses who he wants to. If I'm living the life that I want just because I want to feel better, that's a good reason. But anybody that knows me, my life is preaching. My life is going out and witness. My life is going to the jail and talking to somebody that may be on their way to prison for years. And if God was to take that away from me, just go ahead and take the rest of it because I'm finished. I mean, that's just the way it is. 
but a sinner's peace can only come from God, and it is in knowing God that he gets acquainted now thyself with him and be at peace. You know who said that? Job. Job chapter 22, verse 21. God said, Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. To have peace, you've got to know God. I mean, not know about him, know him. Knowing about God won't take care of Brother Steve's eye. But the next doctor, the next person, somebody may tell him tomorrow, I know the doctor that can help you. Remember, God uses people, places, things, and circumstances. That's how he works. That's why that you need people. You know, you may say, I don't need nobody. I'm fine alone. Yeah, you can live that way. I live that way. Anybody can live that way. But your help comes from people, places, things, and circumstances. That's the four human things here on earth that God uses to bless you. And if you're in the center of God's will and you've got an open heart and an open mind, he will see one of those situations, if not all four of them, come into your life. God has declared himself to be gracious, has told us that this grace is for the ungodly, the unholy, the unfit, the dead and sin. God has declared himself. God has never saved somebody that wasn't a sinner. He that's not sick doesn't need a doctor. You, when you come to the point that you're lost, that you're one heartbeat away from hell, then you need the doctor. I'm talking about Jesus, the doctor. You don't go to an earthly doctor if there's something wrong with you. God has declared himself to be gracious and has told us that grace is for the ungodly and the unholy, the unfit, the dead in sin. Because we that are saved, listen to this statement very closely. He that is saved and in the will of God knows that no matter what your need is, God is the answer. No doctor, no physical doctor, no psychiatrist, psychology. And I think one of the reasons, and I don't know why I keep saying this, because when I do, my rating go down. But see, I believe, as uh, I can't believe that I didn't get one compliment. Pause this message. 
I can't believe I didn't get one, nothing from my trip with Matthew from the church. But I had three preachers that listened to it, and they called me and complimented me on it, and asked me if I would send them a copy of that, because he said, and all three of them said, did you write it? I said, no, I typed it. Like to loosen up people, you know. You don't want to get serious in life, you'll die unhappy. But nobody here, they didn't say it's good, it's bad. Why do you do that? Why do you preach that? You know everybody goes ahead and I do that for myself. I gotta feel better. But anyway. And I told myself before I came out here tonight, I'm not going to touch that again. Forgive me, Lord. But you know me, Lord, don't you? All right, let's get back to the message. God has declared himself to be gracious and has told us that this grace is for the ungodly, the unholy, the unfit, the dead, and sin. So this first part of this message deals with hear the word of the Lord concerning this finished work. Christ died for my sins. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 teaches us that. He died for our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, Isaiah 53, 5. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, Hebrews 9.28. Christ was once, once, have once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, 1 Peter 3.18. He loved us so much that he would suffer for me all the suffering that I would have in hell for eternity. Think about it. If there's millions and millions of people who die and go to hell, but there's millions and millions that don't, and he suffered their penalty on that six and a half hours. Can't fathom that kind of suffering. His own self bared our sins in his own body on the tree. So these expressions that we read off to you speak of something more than love. The deep, true, real love of God is in each of them, but so are justice and holiness. When we go back to the first one, I won't go back to all of them for the sake of time. Christ died for our sins. So I could have a second chance. He 
Though he paid my sin debt. These expressions speak of something more than love. It's the real deep love of God in each of them. You know, I don't know about your kids, but our kids, they always told me when I came in from work or I was gone on a trip. When I came back, they said, Daddy, I love you. But they didn't always walk up to me every day and say, Daddy, I love you. I believe they did. And I know if you're saved, you love the Lord. But I don't think everybody always tells me. I mean, had it not been for his death, grace, and guilt, could not have looked each other in the face. They could not look to each other. Had it not been for his death, our guilt would have made our life miserable. And still, when I stop and think that Christ paid my sin debt, What peace there is in the stricken conscience in the truth that Christ died for the ungodly. The cross is the payment of the sinner's penalty, the extinction, extinction, excuse me, it is stinked, get away with, of his death, tearing up charges which were against us. See, when Christ began to work upon me, really for the first time, did I just have a glimpse of the fact that I helped put him on the cross. He went to that cross to die for me. The response, the inner man may well ask, how can I come before God and stand in his presence with happy confidence on my part and gracious acceptance on his? You can tell when you really forgive somebody, it's not always on your mind. Not always. God said, I took your sins, Brother Tony, and throw them as far as the east is from the west and the west so forth. Your penalty I paid for. It's like 
man goes to prison for killing somebody and he gets 25, 30 years and he comes out and he could even have been saved in prison. It's hard to forgive him, man. But if he's really saved, if God forgave him, shouldn't we? I don't know. That has never happened to me. But I know. Man, that I know. Somebody broke into their house years ago and shot their, their baby. It wasn't on purpose, I don't think. He is uh, in the battle trying to take a gun away from him. But they still sent him to prison for it. But uh, that baby, you know, everybody lost. One went to prison and one went to heaven because of two people that would not forgive. Now, here are a few examples of what God has spoken about faith. He said in Hebrews eleven sixteen that without faith it's impossible to please God. Let's give an example. Something happens to you that's never happened before. It happens to a lot of other people. You know, I met a lady and she uh, wanted to share something with me, so I was down at the grocery store, so we got out, you know, on the side so we wouldn't block anybody getting the groceries. She said, you know, she was telling me that she got this new insurance and it uh, pays the premiums on the doctors and, and she gets $82 a month for extra groceries and stuff and it went on and on and on and I said well that's, that's great I guess she said but it's free I said no ma'am it's not free costing somebody something. I'm free. If I die today, if I live another 10 years, I'm going to glory. But it wasn't free. It cost God his only son. We need to believe on the Lord Jesus and Thou shalt be saved, is what Christ said. Believe on the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved, Acts 16.31. You know. Believe. 
So you believed, but you believed after what? After you heard, right? So if somebody wasn't doing God's will and going out and visiting and going to the nursing home or the hospitals or preaching in church, teaching Sunday school, witnessing, if somebody didn't take their time and do that, it cost them something. Christ paid the penalty. But in God's plan, he doesn't take a lost man and said, now let's, when he's appointed on the man wants to die, there's appointed on the man wants to be saved. I think personally you don't have to believe it. I believe I was saved right on time. But all the people that witnessed to me and preached to me, that's the progress. You're not just going to be sleeping in your bed one night and look up and say, Lord, I need you. Unless you've been coming to church or you've been listening to your family and they've been preaching the word to you all alone. See, what our situation is, church, if we act like, we live like that we've always been saved. Because when we think about the past, I don't want to think about the past. It's taken care of. It's paid for. You don't worry about bills you already paid, D.C. You worry about bills that you owe. What do I owe? What do you owe? To live a life that brings glory to God. When I go to heaven, he is not going to ask me if I lived in a quarter million dollar house or I drove a Cadillac or nothing like that. Because the reward that I want and you want when you get there is to see him. Now somebody that we want so bad, you know, and, and I hear people emotion, emotionally, you know, and the devil will use some people to uh, test you. Most people that knows me knows that I love the people down in Georgia. One woman, uh, I don't even know how old Carrie is, but, but she knows I love her and she loves me. And my wife knows she, I love her and she loves me. Henry knows, you know, it's a spiritual love. Both of us are sinners saved by the grace of God. And if you love somebody and they're lost, when God saves them, you love them even more. Now, I'm going to finish with this. This person says, oh, I love And he, he looked me straight in the eye and he said, I know you feel the same way. I don't know how he knows how I feel, but I listen. When you get to heaven, the first person you're going to want to see is your daughter. I said, no. 
The first person I want to see is the person that's saved by unworthy stomach. He said, well, that's hard to say. No, because there will be no marriage in heaven. We never did think about divorce. At least I didn't. I don't know what she thought about it. But I tell you one thing. There is no divorce in heaven. There would be a separation from the love that my wife gave me to the love that Christ gave me and will love me throughout eternity. So these are just some of the many texts which show that it's our belief of God's testimony concerning his own free love and the work of his son that makes us partakers of the blessings which that testimony reveals. There's just something different about a saved person. I don't know about you, but I like that difference. I like to go out to dinner with somebody that I don't know I worry about trusting and telling some filthy joke or I like to go on a vacation with the same same type of people. Matter of fact, I like to be around those people. And in glory we will be. Father, we thank you for this time.